you so much. I want to turn with your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 5. As we continue our study in the book of Ephesians, and uh, we're making our way somewhat steadily, slowly, through this book. And um, again, we come this morning to a passage which shows us the importance of uh, just expository preaching through books of the Bible. Come to a section on the family today. We're going to be in this section for several weeks. Ephesians 5 this morning, we pick up with verse 22, and we'll read through verse 24. This is God's Word. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the, as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. And again, that is the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your Word. We just pray that this morning as we deal with this important part of it, as we begin to deal with the family, and that you would give us great grace. We thank you that you've given us clear instruction. And we pray that you give us wisdom as we seek to apply them to our lives and to our homes. And we pray that you would bless us as we study this particular part of your word. Give us eyes to to see it. Give us ears to hear it. More than anything, give us hearts that are able to receive it and apply it and live by it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a book written by Howard Hendricks. It has the title... Heaven help the home. I don't know if there are any words that are more appropriate today than those. The home definitely needs help. And the truth is, the only place from which that help can come is heaven. Or, of course, from God. If there's anything in American culture which is in a severe state of crisis and in need of divine help, it is the home or the family. I don't need to bore you with the statistics that back that up. I'm sure you've heard them over and over again, perhaps ad nauseum. However, the startling truth is that 50% of all marriages in our country end in divorce. Second marriages have an even more abysmal rate, whereas 70% of second marriages fail. If we're not there already, we're fast coming to the place where there'll be more children in our country living in single parent homes than in what we know as the traditional family structure. That traditional family structure as we know it is under severe attack on many sides today. Now, when we talk about the traditional family in the church, of course, we're talking about the biblical family, the biblical view of the home and family. And so really it's the biblical concept of the home that is under attack today. You know, the the whole idea that, that marriage is designed by God and that he designed it to be between one man and one woman 
And that this relationship is a permanent one based upon a vow taken before God and before witnesses. A vow to live with that person until death do you part. Is more and more viewed as old-fashioned, outdated, and even today discriminatory. Those we call millennials, and I'm not exactly sure what a millennial is. I even looked it up yesterday. They're younger than me. But for the most part, that part of our generation, the vast portion of it, does not view marriage in the same way as their parents or their grandparents. You know, we talk about broken homes today. But those are really broken marriages. Marriages that have not made the test of time and for whatever reason have ended in divorce. Now, divorce has affected all of us in one way or another. Some of your parents have been divorced. Some of you have gone through divorces. Some of your children have gone through divorces. Some of you, like me, have siblings who have experienced uh, divorces. So this is not a rock-throwing session. We've got enough rocks to go around for every one of us. But the point is that the home does need help. And the only place, again, from which that help can come is from God. You see, marriage was God's idea. God established marriage in the Garden of Eden. He saw that the man that he created was alone and that his loneliness was not good. And so he brought to him a woman and joined them together in this relationship that we now know as marriage. And God gave that first couple some instructions about how they were to live together. And all the way through the Bible, God has given more instructions about how marriage is to be lived for the glory of God. And so for marriages today to be helped, we need to go back to the manual. We need to go back to the instruction manual. Isn't that what you do? If you have an appliance at home that, that doesn't work right, and you can't get it to do what it's supposed to do, what do you do? Well, you, you're like us. You flip through the stack of various owner manuals, and you try to see what the manufacturer said about that appliance or that particular item in your home that won't work because they made it and they know how it's supposed to work and they know how to fix it when it's broken and so you look in the manual folks that's what the bible is this is the this is the owner's manual this is the instruction book god has given not just for the home and family, but every part of our lives. And when we come to something that's broken, when we come to some part of life that doesn't work, when we come to something we don't know how to fix, this is where we need to turn. We need to turn to the Bible and see what God says about it. And that's what this particular portion of Ephesians 5 is. These are some of the instructions that God has given by which marriage is to be conducted. Now, I want you to notice something. 
this follows Paul's admonition in verse 18 in the section we looked at last week about being filled with the Spirit. In verse 18, remember he said, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And so what we want, folks, we want Spirit-filled homes. We want homes where the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and applies it to the husband and to the wife and to the children. And so we're all trying to do what the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us to do. And where we're trying our best to be the people that the Holy Spirit wants us to be. That's why I have entitled my sermon this morning, The Spirit-Filled Wife. Next Lord's Day, we're going to begin to look at the Spirit-Filled Husband. How does a woman who is filled with the Spirit relate in her family, in particular this morning, to her husband? Now, before we get to the text, let's make sure we all understand one thing. And that is the root problem of all domestic issues is sin. You know, the marriage relationship was established, as I mentioned earlier, in Genesis chapter 2. Well, what happened in Genesis 3? That's the fall of man. That's when sin entered into the world. And the relationship of Adam and Eve changed at that point. It was dramatically impacted by that sin. And every marriage ever since has been impacted by it as well. I tell couples in premarital accounts. Their relationship at best is the bringing together of two sinners. And two sinners don't make perfect. A lot of marriage is simply dealing with the reality of sin. Your own sin, trying to overcome it, repent of it, change it, and you're willing to forgive it. Forgive. As God, as we saw in an earlier passage as God has forgiven us. So, now that introduction was way too long. I can assure you that if, if when Mason preaches for Presbytery, if he has an introduction that long, they won't like it. <laughs> but it's important to set the context here. This is an important portion of Scripture. It's important to set the context. And I want to draw three things from this text for you this morning. First, there's an exhortation. It's a command. We find it in verse 22. And it says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, many contemporary women come to that and they gasp in horror. It's simply more proof to them that the Bible truly is old-fashioned and out-of-date They say, after all, you know, we've come a long way, baby. Come a long way. We're past that. We're past having to submit or subject ourselves to anyone, much less to our husbands. But but if we're going to take the Bible seriously, then we have to take this seriously too. 
know, this whole idea of submission has often been made out to be something harsh and difficult for the Christian woman. And to be honest, there have been Christian men who have taken this particular topic in the Bible and have used it to abuse their wives and to misuse them almost in a tyrannical fashion. But just because the truth has been misunderstood, or perhaps because it's been abused, doesn't mean it is no longer the truth. We have to keep this exhortation, I believe, in the context of two things. You know, we always keep its text, a text in its context. And, and part of the larger context of this particular passage goes back to what I said earlier. About, in verse 18, about being filled with the Spirit. So, you know, see, so when we talk about headship and submission... We're talking about people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is the only way this can work. If you don't hear anything else this morning, you hear that. That is the only way this can work. Is by the husband and the wife truly seeking daily to be filled with the Spirit. That's the only way a husband can lead without being a tyrant. And it's the only way a wife can submit without resentment. The other thing to keep in mind is what we saw last week at the end of our passage in verse 21. The verse right before this. Where the text says this. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And that's a general admonition to all believers. We as believers are to submit ourselves, as we saw last week. We're to submit ourselves, humble ourselves to other believers, considering their needs as more important than our own. Living with a sense of humility before one another. And so in the context here, it's a family where the husband and the wife are mutually submitting themselves to each other who are both considering the needs of their spouse as more important than their own needs. And if you lose sight of those two things, if you lose sight that this is in the context of being filled with and walking in the Holy Spirit, and if you lose sight of this whole matter of mutual subjection, of placing the needs of others above your own, then your view of this text is going to be Warped in one way or the other. Now, actually, the truth is, I do always try to tell you the truth, but the point is, the reality is, the word be subject or submit is not found in verse 22 in the Greek. It's really a continuation of the thought of verse 21, where it reads like this. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, wives to your own husbands. Oh, I said the word's not there, but the concept is there. See, the idea is there. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, wives, he says, to your own husbands. Uh, Paul said a similar thing in Colossians 3.18. Wives... Be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, I want to just point out a few things before you move on. 
This word, be subject, and we saw this last week, has to do with rank or order. It doesn't have anything to do with equality. It doesn't have anything to do with the woman's value as a person. It has to do with the structure. The structure of the family, not with the relative equality of the husband and the wife. Both are equal in the eyes of God. Both have intrinsic value because both are made in the image of God. It is simply that God has given the place of leadership in the home to the husband. As in any organization, someone's got to be in charge. Someone has to make the final decisions. Someone's got to be ultimately responsible. The buck has to stop somewhere. And the Bible says in the family, it stops with the husband. Notice also in the text, it says that this submission is to be to your own husband. This is not a general statement that all women are to be in subjection to all men. No, you know, God has established areas of responsibility and accountability in different spheres of life. In government, in the workplace, in family, and here in the sphere of the family, the husband is the head of the wife, and the wife is to be subject to her husband. And notice also, in still in verse 22, this is to be done as to the Lord. As to the Lord. Every, every word in these three verses is important. A woman's first responsibility is to submit herself to Christ. To live her life in subjection to Him. And it really is as she is doing that, as a woman is living her life in subjection to Christ, submitting herself daily to what Christ would have her to do, that's when the woman is able the best to submit herself to her husband. You know, a wife who is not submitting herself first to Christ is going to struggle here. She's going to struggle. If she's not daily yielding herself to what Christ desires for her in her life, she's going to really have a problem. With Ephesians 5, verse 22. You must get first things first. The submission to your husband is as to the Lord. Submit to him and then to him. Second, There's the reason given for this exhortation. And we find that in verse 20. And it is this. For the husband is the head of the wife. As Christ also is head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. Now I don't have time to do this verse justice. So I'm just going to try to summarize a few things and be brief. But I said earlier, many Christian men have taken this verse taken it completely out of context and have used it as a bludgeon upon their wives. See? The Bible says I'm to be the head of the house. I'm the head of the wife. 
And therefore, you're to do exactly what I say. You should be direct. That's your attitude. You have the wrong attitude. Just notice what the verse actually says. The husband is the head of the wife. Too many guys stop there. The husband is the head of the wife. As Christ also is head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. The pattern. Don't you see it? The pattern for the husband being the head of the wife. Is Christ being head of the church. How did Jesus do that? How did Jesus function as being the head of the church? It wasn't by lording it over her. But it was by certain. That's what the reference is made here in the text. And he himself being the savior of the body. Whatever else headship looks like. It first involves the husband serving his wife. If you're not serving your wife, men, listen to me. If you're not serving your wife, if you're not trying to give your life for your wife as Christ gave his life for the church, then you're not truly functioning as the head of your wife. I'm convinced there's no cookie-cutter pattern for what this looks like in a particular home. And I'm convinced really it looked differently in different homes and in different families. To be the head of the house is to be the general administrator of the home. To take responsibility to see that things get done. To be accountable for your home being lived for the Lord and the things of the Lord. It doesn't mean that the husband has to do everything. It doesn't mean the husband has to make all the decisions. It doesn't mean that the husband always gets his way. He just has to be responsible that the decisions are made and then be accountable for the effect those decisions have upon the life of his home. Two main words, I think, are crucial in the headship of the husband in the home. One is responsibility. And the other is accountability. He's responsible. Guys, you are responsible. And even if you turn an area in your home's life over to your wife, which is completely appropriate, you are responsible. And you are accountable. And God will hold you accountable someday for the direction and the tenor and the tone of your family. You know, in a practical sense, the the gifts and the abilities of who can do what ought to determine who does what in the home a lot more than just feeding the man's ego in terms of being the head of the home. And so, sorry guys, the Bible doesn't allow you to rule your wife with an iron fist. That is not the way Jesus rules his church. And we're going to see more of that over the next few weeks. Now, if you guys disappear on me over the next few weeks, I'm going, to, I'm going to know something's wrong. 
Because we're going to spend several weeks going through the spirit-filled husband. Being on Father's Day next Sunday. Third, there's an illustration of this exhortation. You know, verses 23 and 24 really mirror each other. Just as in verse 23, we're told that the headship of the husband is the pattern is to pattern the headship of Christ over the church. So in verse 24, we're told that the submission of the wife to her husband is to pattern the submission of the church to Christ. That verse says that the church, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So if you get the point here, both the husband and the wife have an example to follow in life in the home. The husband follows the example of Christ in serving his wife and being the head of his wife. The wife has the example of the church in her submission to her Savior. To Christ himself. And so, you husbands should ask yourselves, am I being the head of my wife in the same way that Christ is the head of the church? Am I loving her the way that Christ loved the church? Am I leading her the way Christ leads his church? And you wives need to ask yourselves, am I submitting myself to my husband as the church submits herself to Christ. Am I seeking to honor Him in the way that I deal with Him, in the way that I respond to Him, in the way that I relate to Him? What a wonderful ideal the Bible sets for us. Is there anything that shows us how sacred marriage is more than this. You get it? The Bible says the marriage relationship patterns the relationship between Christ and His church. You see, marriage was not only established by God, and marriage is not only directed by God, but God gives us the pattern. He gives us the pattern Himself. Through the work of his son for his people, his church, his bride, and the response of his people, the church, his bride, to Christ. The church submits itself to Christ in response to the love of Christ for her. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Wives are to submit themselves to their husbands as he sacrificially loves them as Christ loved the church. You see, the submission of the wife, it's a, it's a command. I said that earlier. It's a command. It's an exhortation. It's there. Guys, let me tell you something. Your wife will find it a lot easier to submit if you're loving her the way Christ loved the church said a moment ago, the only way to avoid resentment 
is by being filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit as you lead your home. Well, the only way, another way to avoid that resentment is by leading her in a loving way as Christ loved the church. And we're going to get to that next Lord's Day. First admonition, I'll just give you a preview in verse 25, is husbands, love your wives. How is the church able to submit to Christ? It's by knowing that Christ loves them. I want you to notice, too, that this submission is very broad. It is in everything. As the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Now, that doesn't mean the wife can't express an opinion. It doesn't mean the wife can't express a contrary opinion does not mean that she cannot plead her case with logic or with emotion. She most certainly can. But if her husband says, this is what I believe before the Lord our family is to do, then the wife is to submit to it. God will hold him accountable. As long as it's not something that leads her to sin. I can still remember a day over 30 years ago when Carol and I were considering the call to, to First Presbyterian in Louisville. We'd been in McGee for five, a little five years. First church. Both our boys were born there. You get attached to the place where your children are born. We loved them. They loved us. But we had been approached by this other church and we were considering what to do. What, what did the Lord want us to do? So we had arranged to meet with the pulpit search committee in Louisville one day, and we were driving from McGee to Louisville. That was, a, that was back in the day when Highway 25 was just two lane. Mile after mile of nothing but pine tree. And on the way up, my wife turned to me and she said, you wouldn't move me up here, would you? Well, I did. And she went along. And God blessed. That, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. So the evidence of a spiritual wife is that she submits herself to the Lordship of Christ. Let me say that again. I kind of stumbled over it. Let me make sure I get that right. The evidence of a spirit-filled wife is that she submits herself to the Lordship Christ seeking moment by moment to be what he wants her to be and to do what he wants her to do and as a reflection of her submission to Christ she submits herself to her husband in obedience to the Lord as her husband serves as her head he seeks to provide for her to protect her to defend her, and as he does, she willingly submits herself to his leadership, even as Christ submits herself, or the church submits herself to Christ. Now I know that's the ideal. The ideal. We look at a lot of our homes, we're probably not there. 
Some of you look at your home and may say, boy, I'm a long way from that. Don't be discouraged. You can't get there without taking the first step. No time to start. So guys, step it up. Step it up. Love your wife. Serve them. Pattern the way that you deal with your wife after the way Christ dealt with this church. He loved her so much, he died for her. You talk about considering someone's needs more important than their own. That was Jesus. Do that. Do it in your home. And wives, follow the pattern of the church for whom Jesus gave his life. Submit yourself to the loving, sacrificial leadership of your husband. Respond to him as the church responds to Christ. Trust him. Pray for him. Pray for him. Trust him. Trust him to lead you and your family in the way God would have both of you to go. And God will bless. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. We pray your blessing upon our study of this portion of it. So crucial. Our society is in such trouble. And our society is in trouble to a great degree because the family is in trouble. So we beg you. We beg you to do a mighty work in the, the lives of men, the lives of women, the lives of husbands, the lives of wives. Father, build our homes the way that you would have them to be. They might bring glory and honor to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.